Good evening, everyone. This is Kareem Hijazi, the creator and host of the Introverted Iconoclast. I'm doing a talk today on CBDCs, as you can tell from the title here, which for those that don't know what that is, it's the central bank digital currencies that are actually in development or uh, in testing at this point that represent a pretty fundamental shift in terms of our ability to manage our own money. Um, now, you know, with anything like this, there's pros and cons. You're going to have situations where represents a huge uplift in our ability to have transactions happen a lot faster. There's, there's certainly pros, but there's going to be a bevy of cons that come with this that I think I want to talk about fundamentally here and answer any questions that may um, come up. Now, again, these, you know, any answers I provide or any questions that may come up are, are speculative. We're still kind of waiting to see what's going to happen here. It's a pretty interesting predicament we're in here with the fact that this is a attempt to take something that was originally a decentralized product or invention, and now they're centralizing it per the name. Uh, and I can certainly get into a little bit of what that means, uh, broadly speaking, as it relates to cryptocurrencies and blockchain and other things. So it's funny because they're effectively taking the best part of cryptocurrency and they're essentially taking it out of the equation to bring it back to being more a centralized and absolutely explicitly controlled um, financial situation. So I'm... Um, trying to figure out which way and how I feel about this fundamentally at this point, because there's the ramifications I mentioned that go much deeper than simply just a monetary or financial use case for this product. Um, I say product as in, you know, it's, it's not a privately created product. This is indeed a governmental initiative, just to be clear. And I think the number one concern everyone seems to have about this is what does this represent as far as governmental control over our financial um, freedom, right? Now, we all know the government issues fiat currency, which is the cash we have. I live in the US. The US dollar is essentially controlled and managed by the, the US government. It is backed by the full faith and credit of the US government. It's where we get our value system attributed uh, to, to money. And I don't think it's anyone, any secret to anyone with what's happened recently with the pandemic and, and other uh, things that are going on behind the scenes that system is under a tremendous amount of pressure. We're trying to battle inflation and a variety of other things. And what's interesting about the concept around um, CBDCs is that they do away with some of the failures that come with a, a currency that gets issued to a population that can then do what they sort of will with it. And what I mean by that, the literal example is that you can go today to your bank and you can withdraw money in the form of paper notes, cash, wherever you are in the world. In, in my case, it would be US dollars. And you can go and you can, I'm gonna be silly here, you can put it in your mattress if you want and, and just not the best idea, but you could do that. And there's really nothing kind of that the government can do much about that. You're now hoarding this cash in such a way. And as long as it's, it's a form of currency that is gonna be acceptable to be used for trade, you have every right to use it when and if you want to use it. With something like a CBDC, that ability for you to have ultimate control over it does change. And I'm, I'm being very careful with my wording here because I don't want to imply that I have any 
inside information on how it's going to be controlled or whatnot. But I can tell you from a technological standpoint, things like being able to expire it by the authority will exist. Right now, you take that cash out of the bank, you go plop it in, in your mattress for a rainy day. They can't expire that cash. It's going to be usable eternally. Well, as long as country and you get it, you get my point. But something that's digital that can be programmable could be expirable, kind of like, and I've been, I've been trying to equate this to something that we all remember or know. We don't have it as much anymore these days with the way cell phone plans have changed. But do you remember when you used to have minutes per month that you'd have to use? <clears throat> and then they came out with rollover minutes that so you could take your minutes, you could roll them over to the next month. Well, before rollover minutes and all that, and before they did away with, I think, that whole system in general, there used to be this whole thing of use your minutes, otherwise you lose them. Use them or lose them. And there's a very, very interesting probability here that that can be a very powerful leverage point here with something like central bank digital currencies that they don't presently have with the current system. That's just one example of it. Now, not to mention the traceability of all the transactions that you that happen with your use of these central bank digital currencies will be imminently tracked in almost perfect form. So unlike cash transactions, which is the bane of you know, the government's existence essentially because it's hard to track, these will be imminently trackable and can be can be used to um, essentially move into other parts of the conversation today that I'll, I'll have with everyone, which will bridge into things like what's happening with China and social credit scoring or universal um, incomes, right? Or basic income, UBIs, right? Which are, um, if, if those who don't know what that is, that's essentially a for all intents and purposes, a new form of welfare where the government will then compensate you with an amount of money per month as an individual, no matter who you are, whether you're working or not, to cover basic needs. And there's a reason for why they may do this. And it has nothing to do with what's going on today with the current welfare system. This has to do with the emergence of technology over the next decade or so that will then uh, that will make jobs obsolete that people have presently. And there's a huge amounts of evidence to support that soon enough, there will be many, many jobs that will be taken over by automation that will then put people that um, assume they've got a secure uh, lifestyle in jeopardy. And there'll be a need for something like universal uh, basic income. And I'm, I don't want to get straight too much to that because I, I could do a whole talk on UBI um, concepts here in a little bit. But I want to stick to the CBDC concept because it's directly connected to it in that that will be the vehicle by which things like UBIs will be facilitated in a much more effective manner. Because right now, you know, if you're simply going to try to do it through fiat currency or otherwise known as our cash and our, our, our existing, you know, financial or currency systems, it's a lot harder to manage. And you're not going to be able to sort of control the use of it in, in certain ways. Um, and the other thing about this that's really fascinating is that with CBDCs, you can now, you being relative you, I guess I should probably start differentiating. There's the government and there's you with this. There's a just flat out, that is the two-party system here in this equation. There's no middle, there's no intermediaries. This is not a cryptocurrency. And I want to be clear on this. CBDCs are not what we're seeing with things like Bitcoin, 
or Ether or any of the other altcoins that are out there on these blockchains that we're seeing or we've seen over the last you know 10 years or so. Cryptocurrencies are tokenized stores of value and that are essentially on a decentralized network, which means their their transactional qualities are on a ledger if, for those that are accountants that are spread across a vast number of various machines all over the world and that that record is everywhere it's essentially it's almost like trust through in immense transparency because now everyone has a record of the transaction that has happened which is the best part of cryptocurrency because it essentially makes it very hard um, for people to be cheated in terms of the transaction doesn't mean it can't be stolen <laughs> a whole other conversation but it does make it incredibly hard for people to sort of fib a transaction and claim something happened and and have it not be provable that it did or didn't that's the beautiful part about it and also it gives you sort of imminent control over something because it's not in one individual's hands or one group's hands like a government cbdc's are not going to be distributed or decentralized these are going to be essentially the same thing as central bank now hence the name but it will be the issuer and the controller of said currency but in this case, again, what I said a little bit earlier, a programmable currency whereby the rules and the policies with, with, with which you can use it will be dictated. And it can be very granular. So what's interesting about this is that um, my, my CBDC issuance or account, that'll probably be something I'd look at through my phone or tablet or computer or whatever, um, may have different rules guiding it than maybe my neighbor will have or another neighborhood that's more affluent or maybe another neighborhood that is actually less um troublesome god forbid i know i'm getting into some interesting wording here but this is essentially where there's this direct linkage between control and pro programmable money which is imminently on the way in this is not something that's a harebrained idea or some sort of speculative thing when is the question but there's just an immense amount of evidence that this is being worked on and developed and soon to be tested and released um, more broadly. It's already been tested and released in a variety of places around the world, but at least in the U.S. now, this is something that's been discussed, you know, and is now in in the process of, of being um, being built. Um, but what's fascinating is that your behavior can have direct implications on how that that money is programmed. So that starts to get into some extremely hairy issues like censorship, control, influence, um, behavioral determination of how you are meant to be in order to have your basic necessities met, which is very much what we have been hearing about for those that follow this entire thing around the World Economic Forum and its agenda for you will own nothing and be happy, this whole thing that's gotten kind of caught fire across the internet and people have been talking about it and it's a fascinating topic because people didn't know how that was even going to be possible what's you know how does this make any sense that seems like a sprawling system that seems it's, you know, to be impossible but when you start introducing technologies like this and then you couple it with the ability to not only use it as a method of currency and a monetary system but you use it as a surveillance utility to check and track and monitor and surveil the individuals that are now issued this and then being able to have granular control over the ability of that currency 
on an individual basis, now you have an incredibly powerful system to then award certain citizens and not others and offer capabilities to some citizens and not others. And again, I'm not talking about sort of a Orwellian um, sci-fi scenario. I'm basically talking about what's going on in China right now. So again, I know we feel like we're, I'll speak for the West, of course, here. We feel like we're a million miles from that type of capability. But, you know, I think that if we really look at this, honestly, we have been paying close attention to the way China has been controlling and growing and managing their populations. And I think that's a, the government, rather than condemning it as much as they might do so from, from mass media appeal, um, have been learning and taking notes. I think they're looking at this and going, you know what? They have a very ingenious system to manage a populace that's massive and essentially not one that you could ever really effectively control with force. You need to control that type of population with influence. You need to control them at the very core of what they, how they function, which is essentially how they can survive. And again, if we are now going to be pushed into something to where we need to have this currency as our main source of, of transactional medium, that's going to be very, very concerning uh, as we get fo go forward here, because there may come up. And, and again, I think that this begs the question of what will inspire that shift, right? It's not like I think we could ever, I think, I think everyone knows that if tomorrow morning we had a emergency broadcast system that hey, everyone, just throw away that paper garbage in your in your wallet. It's not usable anymore, you know, but go pick up your cell phone if you have one or you will be issued a cell phone, who knows? Uh, and it will have a, a digital wallet on it that will have a certain amount of cash in it that is, that is now yours. And you don't have to work for it. You'll get it. And it's just your... Do you remember, this is pretty interesting, Back when I was in school, there we used to have those teachers that were pretty funny. They thought they were really snarky and clever, and they were cool. Um, and they would always say, I remember this, look, first day of the semester, congratulations, you have an A. Now it's your job to keep the A. <laughs> I'll never forget that, because that was the funniest sort of concept when I used to hear that by teachers, either in high school or in university, where you know, I was like, wait a second, what do you mean keep the A? You know, I mean, I didn't do anything to get it yet, but now... In, 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 as, a, as it's referencing this particular scenario, it makes all the sense in the world, is that you'll get it, you just have to keep it. And I think this is where it's very interesting because um, I haven't even gotten into the fundamental risks associated with this from a technological standpoint, which is what I think everyone would expect me to talk about, which I will. But I'm more worried about the socioeconomic and, and sort of political implications of wait a second, you know, what happens if, you know, I don't abide by certain parameters to get this, this currency? And again, I know I'm dovetailing into and I'm cross-pollinating between universal basic income and this, but I think it's inextricably tied together, as I mentioned earlier. What happens that? I mean, you know, does this really put me in a position where I'm literally worried about being able to get any extra money somewhere else? Can I go get extra money somewhere else? Can I earn more CBDC somehow? You know, none of these things I think have been answered thoroughly in any meaningful way. So right now, it seems like this is just a very slow, very kind of frog in the pan, you know, slowly kind of being heated up 
which is that this is going to replace this cumbersome, as they're calling it, fiat currency that, that may or may not actually survive the next you know decade or so. And because there needs to be more granular control over things and more accountability and more strong ledgering of what transpires here, this is the reason for it. And it will provide, you know, a huge amount of, 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 of capability to you. You know, I mean, there's all these questions that are unanswered. But this, again, as I mentioned a second ago, comes back to the greater problem of things around surveillance of this, um, the ability to have this without being told what to do with it or being dictated or moved in a direction to, to use it in a certain amount of time before it's too late, if there's going to be an expiry. Are they going to program my currency to expire faster than my neighbors? Uh, because I've simply just haven't gained the credit to have it longer than someone else. I mean, there's so many you know areas here that get very, very concerning and, and interesting. Not to mention how much, and you know, this is for me personally. You know, those that know me on this on this platform, I, in the last 26 years, have watched the internet and other types of technological advancements come into being purely for the purposes of convenience and speed and efficiency without any thought of security. And they always have to go backwards and be like, uh oh, we forgot to do the security for this. Let's go bolt it to the back end now. And this is one of those situations where, look, you know, I'm not suggesting that taking money out of the bank and putting my mattress is smart in, in any way. But look, it's in my physical possession. It's like putting it in a safe. I have some level of control over that. At least I feel like I do. If there is literally just a number showing up on a LCD screen on my phone that implies I have this much and then tomorrow I go there and I have zero. I mean, it's essentially the same as what we have today with the bank. Um, is there going to be a digital FDIC that's going to protect my money? I mean, you know, there's things like this that get very, very interesting. And I think questions that have yet to be answered by all of these groups that are in the process of building them, because what assurances do we have that this is something that, how do I make a claim that I had this and it's gone now? You know, it's, and I think that the, the best part of this, at least the one pro I can tell you is that if this is going to be built in the way that I presume it will be, which again, as it relates to digital currencies, they are more if they're more perfect in their ledgering of what's going on that there should be an accountability that's much more clear but immediately i i go to the, the concept around how is this going to be leveraged how is this going to be swindled out of people's hands um can you lend some of your cdbc cbdc to someone else there's all these things that i think I'm curious on how all the mechanisms that exist today are going to be transferred into something like this fluidly and easily. Um, and how are you going to um, get everyone that may or may not have the facilities that everyone else has, you know, something like technological access and, and bandwidth. I know they're working on it. I mean, I, I get it. Musk has got Starlink and there's a million other vendors that are out there trying to provide internet to the world in the most, you know, far reaching places, but it's still a concern. You're still dealing with a situation where if you want to employ something like this, you've got to have universal ability to, to conduct, you know, some level of connectivity to someone. If you're going to do that, the minute you put digital into this terminology, now you have to have a device to leverage it. It's no longer something that you can put in an envelope or put in a safe. And so the minute I see the word digital, 
uh, you know, my skin crawls because that's where I live. That's exactly what, that's my soccer field. That's where I know how to kind of navigate. And that's exactly what adversaries are going to think like with this. This is, this is a payday for them. It's going to be a greenfield opportunity for them to, to manage. The reason why cryptocurrency was a harder situation for an adversary to, to play games with is because it was decentralized. The very nature of it made it difficult for adversaries to tangle. The fact that this is going to be centralized, taking away the very strength of the whole point of cryptocurrency concerns me. And I, I wonder if they've thought about this, that you've essentially taken the very strength and the, the very inherent nature of this capabilities security away in the name of efficiency and control and surveillance and and, and uh, program programmability and you've done that at the at the demise of it because now how are you gonna how are you gonna manage the security of that central location now you gotta armor it up we're going back to the classic old castle moat strategy to protect your money which is higher walls moats drawbridges which we've all known hasn't worked and so what I find a little bit tragic here is I think that there's this contortion of a system that seemed to be really groundbreaking fundamentally. And it was a, it was a fundamental change that did introduce a level of security and uh, assurance to the consumer that was using it. And they've peeled that away. They've, they've sort of done surgery on this to now bring it back to an old modality that simply has the benefits of speed, efficiency, and surveillance. And they've foregone the security and the value of that decentralization that was so good to begin with. And it's tragic to me because I think it's a reverse mentality and it's all in the name of control. But just like anything else, when they try to do that, get their arms around it and be the sole conduit and controller of something, this is this has been a hacker's mantra from day one, which is that if you can get to it, I can get to it. If you can push or pull, I can push or pull. If you can engineer it, I can reverse engineer it. And so I think that what made it impossible or very difficult, I should say, with decentralized systems is that I can't reverse the transaction on everyone's computer, the millions of computers that were out there that say this happened. Maybe I could get to 10, 20, 30, maybe 1,000, but I can't get to every one of them. And really the way that, that blockchain and decentralized systems work is that majority rules. If the majority of systems say this happened, then that is the that is the truth. That's ground truth. If a third of them say that this happened, but two thirds say this happened, the two thirds majority wins, and that's how you're secured. Because it takes a hacker to go hack everything and everyone to alter a transaction. This is this is I'm getting boring here, guys. But frankly, that's what's that's considered the 51 percent attack when it comes to things like you know cryptocurrency and blockchain. If you can control 51 percent of the blockchain, then yes, you can essentially alter the transactions. But that's a very, very, very challenging thing. That's a nation state effort that even then can be very, very hard to do because you're essentially need to control that much of that, that apparatus, which by definition means that it's 51% controlled by a central authority. And then the 49% is decentralized, which te technically makes it a centralized system. So again, coming back to this very concept here, I don't know that this has been thought through to the extent of the cybersecurity aspects of this, nor have I, I think they're intoxicated with the notions of the control factor and the surveillance factor of your usage of the product. 
um, and the fact that they can program program your independent use of the product to some degree. And essentially, you know, expiry is just one concept around this, which is that if I don't use it by the end of the month before my next issuance, well, then I lose it, you know, and that's a very, very concerning concept here. Um, and then there's the lack of any kind of tokenization, because that would essentially put us right back into a fiat currency thing. I, the very fact that it's a central bank digital currency, does this mean that that absolutely means there will be zero tokenization? I can't go somewhere and get a proverbial physical uh, token of that. Probably not. I think it's going to live forever in, in digital form and you'll have to have some utility to access and see it and, and, and read it uh, to, to gain you know visibility to how much you have. Now, it's again, it's not too far, far off from what we have today. I mean, honestly, I mean, I can't remember. I've ca I use cash maybe what? twice in the last three months so it's not like this is something that's going to be so fundamentally bizarre to us i think it'll still be our apple wallets and our google payments and our google pay and it'll be that it, it'll be exactly the same as that but it's just that the comfort value of being able to say i could go today to the bank and literally take out all of my money and get it in literally a a briefcase hypothetically or put it in an envelope is gone and the fact that that value that it is today could change in a second because someone decides they want to change it uh, because of some metric or parameter that I haven't lived up to or who knows what, that's disconcerting to me. And that's a very, very precarious position to be in, uh, which I think is, is going to be uh, something to be figured out. So as we march toward this, and I think, you know, I touched on this earlier in the conversation for those that missed it, you know, I'm, there's some very key things that are tied together here. There's CBDCs, there's universal basic income or UBIs, which is directly tied to this. And then the last thing that I want to touch on here, which is something that is going to be really compelling. And I'd, I'd love to get people's opinions on this because I'm going to probably do a long form podcast on this particular topic. Is it what is going to inspire or I should probably say, what is the catalyst to facilitate the movement to, to move us into CBDCs? What is going to do this? And I think that this is, again, kind of hinting at a, another greater, longer conversation. We're heading toward another pretty epically large financial collapse uh, if, if things are not averted. And I think that's going to be a very very powerful reason to to shift to this and they'll be they'll, they'll come up with reasons for why this is going to actually be the best means or the best vehicle to alleviate the pressures and bring us back from the brink so to speak and i think that's that's imminently the way it's going to happen um how and what and you know not being an economist per se is something that leaves me a little bit mystified about why this would be sort of sold as the the, the cure, part of the cure i should say not the whole thing and that's where I'm curious, where people are going to be sold on the idea that this is something that's going to be the best thing uh, for everyone to embrace because it'll solve some of the problems. I think they could probably sell the UBI concept pretty quickly and easily because I think you're, you know, on the most basic level, you're talking about free money to people. You're saying, oh, look, you know, I'll give you a universal basic income. Just just take it. You can have it. No worries. And I bet you anything it'll be eased into the market, with, which is to say it'll be in addition to your job. No problem. And then slowly but surely, when the jobs, as I mentioned, that are going to be phased out due to automation, that's when people start saying, well, look, good thing you have the UBI in place because that'll keep you going since you're going to probably lose this job due to automation. And then that's how they're going to phase people out of, out of you know, kind of a role 
Now it doesn't, I'm not trying to suggest that there'll not be new roles created due to the, the change in, in the ecosystem of things, but you know, how much and, and, and why, you know, how, how will that actually impact the greater system is, is to be determined. Um, but what's also really curious here is what comes of existing crypto and, and digital currencies that are already in play. Do they stay legal? Do they become uh, pariahs to the system? Do they become nullified as any kind of means that they, they become counterfeit currency? Um, you know, this is this is a very interesting situation because if I was if I were the central bank and I had my version of a digital currency that was run by myself, my my central bank, and it was centralized for the name, I wouldn't want something that was decentralized. It would um, run counter to my narrative, to put it that way. So I have a feeling that there could be some very interesting um, narratives that we may hear in the near term about the outlawing of some of those those existing currencies due to the fact that they counter the need for this to be more centralized and not decentralized for security. And I'll, I'll you know, lose my mind if that's said, because that's just fundamentally ridiculous. But unfortunately that's something that you can probably say to the mass the masses and they're going to believe it because it's an easier thing to believe that oh well, look if i keep it in one place it's more secure than if i have it everywhere and they're going to use that narrative to confuse people about how the existing system is less secure the decentralized system is less secure which is completely wrong but you know, you know it's the nature of the beast with this it's about getting a narrative that works for the masses um but i'm i'm really mystified about what's going to catapult us into this and what's going to you know, there's got to be some perk to get people to say, embrace this as a method. It's cleaner, it's better, it's faster. They'll probably um, limit the amount of information they'll share about the surveillance utility around it, meaning their ability to track your transactions at a at an excruciatingly granular level. I'm sure that's going to be kind of withheld to, to a degree. So I'm fascinated to see how they're going to kind of bring this out into the world. Um, the fact that right now something like this is starting to be researched across the world is fascinating. It's not just the U.S. So when we talk about CBDCs, this is not a U.S. thing and not another country thing. This is actually everywhere. So what I'm waiting to see is exactly who employs this first and most robustly. How is the reception of it? Because I think that what they've been testing is more the universal basic income tests have been fairly successful to date because who wouldn't you know want that to, to a degree especially as it sits you know alongside or adjacent to an existing job sounds wonderful but it's when you become reliant and your entire survival mechanism starts to be hinged off something like this where before you know it you're that frog in the pot where now you are on a universal basic income as your sole source of income and it's coming to you in the form of a central bank digital currency. Now they got you. I mean, and there's really no return return from that because you've got to work within the con, con, you know confines of that system to survive. And I think that's that's where it gets to be very interesting. Where they then have the ability to very subtly impose the rules of the game after the game has begun. And that's the part that I find most nefarious and insidious. If that's the way they they choose to approach it. And unfortunately, I don't, I don't think they can do it any other way. 
I mean, by the way, I mean, look, I talk about this like they're Bond villains, and I don't know that that's really the case. I think that they also realize they're talking to the mob, you know, to use kind of a an, a Roman, <laughs> ancient Roman Empire kind of term. You know, you really can't talk to the mob in a rational, reasonable way. You can talk to individuals in a reasonable, rational way. You can't talk to a mob in a reasonable, rational way. You've got to be able to be very selective in your approach. It's exactly how the intelligence agencies and intelligence community works today. They share certain amounts and not other parts of the conversation for all the reasons that they know will result in a, a mess if they share the entire story because it'll cause mass panic or it'll just create a, a big mess. It'll let the cat out of the bag that's actually a critical piece of the equation so that it can be managed. So, you know, I, I don't I don't think that there's going to be a nefarious purpose in not sharing certain surveillance aspects of this right off the bat to, to the mass population because they're just not going to either A, understand why or how, or B, I, I think they'll just be like, why why tip them off to the fact that this is going to be the case? It's only going to cause more questions and less adoption. Um, but what I'm going to have the problem with is when they start moving into saying, if I can grab the power, I'm going to take it, which is, this is, in my mind, just way too tempting for a government not to leverage in that way. It's almost impossible in my mind for them to go, we could have taken the power, we could have taken the control, we could have surveilled, but we didn't. I mean, come on. I, th there's almost no way they're not going to take advantage of this capability and leverage to the fullest extent in time. Maybe not day one, but in time. Or maybe they'll do it right off the bat, but they won't say anything about it until later and slowly eke out the fact that they actually know a little bit more about what you're doing and then slowly but surely like, oh, we knew you were there when you did that. Oh, we knew that you actually... Mm, you know, you didn't, and then oh, you didn't spend it all this month. So unfortunately, it kind of resets the clock. You know, my, oh, you know, that's going to cause a mess. You know, if that starts to happen, and you know, if I don't start getting my rollover minutes, I'm going to be upset. And I think this is where it gets pretty interesting, which is what are the rules of this programmable money, and are the rules that I get going to be standard, or are they going to be bespoke to to me, and are they going to be based on some sort of social credit system? based on my behaviors that they can track based on everything else I'm doing. I mean, you know, if I take a sci-fi approach to this situation, I don't think it's an impossibility that they might actually issue devices for the very purpose of giving you the means for your digital wallet to be this device. Here, take this. Now, not only is it technically your CBDC wallet, maybe that's exactly what they need for tracking all kinds of other things. And they'll, they'll couch it as an apparatus for your security, but it's going to be used as a surveillance utility for a variety of things. Because if everyone gets it, if everyone shifts to a CBDC, that means good white hats and black hats alike, right? Or good guys and bad guys alike. So all of a sudden, bad guys now realize that they are under pretty extreme surveillance with their money. They're no longer cash heavy. They're now forced into a system that they'll be subject to, to surveillance. So look, I mean, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a, maybe there's a pro here with the fact that it'll literally push uh, the adversary into a corner. I say this very, very uh, pensively because I think that um, usually when you start to impose something that is not the right way, they, the other ways form. <laughs> so I, I'm very, I'm very curious to, figure out if if uh just like how the secret service was formed for those that maybe don't know 
Secret Service was originally formed to handle counterfeit uh, counterfeit money. It was not the Secret Service that we know about today that guards the president and um, and diplomats. This is the, the Secret Service was originally there to, and they still I still think they have it in their their jurisdiction or auspices, which is which is for um, looking into to um, counterfeit funds, so to speak. So what does counterfeit CBDCs look like? Do those get injected into the digital central bank as currency that is now just a number? You know, is it, uh, is it the Superman movie, Superman one with Richard Pryor, where they're just adding a few cents on every CB, you know, every CBDC dollar, so to speak, that has a few cents added to it that benefits some malicious, you know, threat actor out there. I mean, these are things that we need to sort of consider, considering it's all going to be centrally located. All of a sudden now you've got a target um, and it's a central target. It's literally a bullseye by definition. So I think this is what makes it very interesting because right now, just to draw a parallel between the risks associated with a central bank that's digital versus a central bank that's not digital is that right now Fort Knox it's an old joke. It's the old adage, you know, what are you going to go rob Fort Knox? You know, think about what kind of military force you would have to have to go do that. While a digital central bank requires decently good laptop and a damn good bit of bandwidth and some solid malware and maybe a really good phishing email. And unfortunately that is really all you'd need to move through the wires to get into a place like that. There's no physical kinetic incursion into something like this. This is digital by the very definition of the name. So I think that there's some huge implications here that haven't been thought through fully. And, you know, admittedly, we're in the earlier stages, but I think it's going to rapidly progress. And we're going to see some very interesting movement in a direction where um, people are going to start to wake up to the realities of this. I think they're going to see the conflation of the things I mentioned, like how do this how does this digital currency actually have implications on a universal business or universal basic income, excuse me. How is it going to actually be programmable where I'm going to be subject to different rules for this money than my neighbor is, for example, or my friends or other family members? And then lastly, what is the catalyst? What's going to inspire the shift to this? That's what I want to know about. But again, thanks for listening tonight. It was just a quick conversation on this that I wanted to get out there and probably do a longer form in time. But have a great night, and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.